You're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Antidepressants are among the most commonly prescribed medications in primary care. A new antidepressant became available in April 2006, but most physicians are completely unaware of it. Why is that? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Paul Markowitz. Dr. Markowitz is an assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine and the director of the Mood and Anxiety Research Center in Fresno, California. In addition to having a PhD in biochemistry, he is a board-certified psychiatrist who has been the primary investigator for dozens of clinical trials. Welcome, Paul. Hey, Leslie. Thanks for having me on. Well, I know this is a subject that you are passionate about, and uh, when I was reviewing the literature on this, I found that only 33,000 prescriptions for MSAM were written in the first year that it's been out, and compare that to, say, 3 million for Cymbalta in the first year. Why are most physicians so unaware of this new treatment? I'm not sure that they're unaware of it necessarily. I think they're just geared to tears about using monoamine oxidase inhibitors because we've really not trained uh, any residents since the mid-80s on how to use them when Prozac came out. Yeah, that's true. It's amazing to me that most doctors have never even heard of these medicines. It's really pretty incredible. If you look at the data on them, they're actually much safer than the tricyclics, which actually quite a few clinicians still use, if not for depression, for fibromyalgia and other chronic pain syndromes. The drugs have been around for a long, long time, and they are far and away the best medicines to use to treat depression with comorbid anxiety. What's the history? How were these meds developed? Actually, it's a very cool story. What ended up happening is people would go to tuberculosis clinics and be put on treatments in the late 40s and early 50s, and they found uh, that patients taking isoniazid that also had comorbid depression got better not only from their TB, but their depression went away. And that's kind of where the MAOIs came from. They started looking into how they work. They're a very nifty medicine because unlike reuptake inhibitors, which are predominantly what we use now, you have to kick serotonin or noradrenaline uh, out of the cell, and the current ones block the reuptake. The monoamine oxidase inhibitors kill the protein in the mitochondria that break down neurotransmitters. So you basically accumulate more neurotransmitter. It would be like if you had a dam holding back water. That's The dam would be the, the water, hopefully, that accumulates behind it is more neurotransmitter. And it's great having a dam with a tricyclic or Zoloft or Prozac or Effexor or Cymbalta, but if there ain't any water, it isn't going to help. And the monoamine oxidases basically give you that water so you can power up more neurotransmitter uh, behind the dam. It's great stuff. And they are much, much more efficacious than anything on the market. But why the fear? I think part of that is in the old days, the medications were taken orally and they caused problems with both hypotension uh, at therapeutic doses as well as hypertension if you ate the wrong foods with them. And they did have some nasty interactions with other medicines, uh, particularly drugs of abuse, cocaine, amphetamine, and antidepressants, or even uh, tryptophan, a sleeper, if you took it with them. But the new ones are a lot more, not completely, but a lot more benign in that direction. So new ones meaning which ones? New ones being MSAM, the transdermal selegiline. Actually, the selegiline is not a new medicine. It's been around for a better part of two decades to treat Parkinsonism. While the current dosing schemata 
at the low dose, they have no dietary uh, restrictions with it to avoid tyramines. They're a chemical that's in blue cheeses, Chianti wine, supposedly, Marmite. It's a compound that can cause hypertension if it's not broken down by the gut and liver. Since the new medicines go straight through your skin and into your brain and really don't touch your liver or your gut, there really aren't any food reactions with it. While they do suggest them at the higher dosages, in real life, they're probably not an issue at all. They just haven't been tested effectively enough from the FDA standpoint that they can say, yeah, go ahead and eat and drink and be merry. We're actually having a contest at our place now for all the people that are on MSAM to see if anybody even knows what Marmite is. Now, how, how do you dose it? Well, it's very nifty uh, medicine. It looks like a little cellophane patch, about an inch by an inch at the small dose, maybe about two by two at the higher. And you just pop it right onto the skin every day, and it goes through your skin and right to your brain. It works over about a seven to ten day period of time once you get enough into you. It's a very different kind of mechanism than we're used to. I mean, you take an Ativan or just about any other medicine, you can feel it when it kicks in. This has to go into your body, basically bind up a protein in the mitochondria, knock it off, kill it, and then it takes time after that's knocked off at 60% or so for the neurotransmitter to accumulate and continue to grow behind it. So once you're at the right dose, we're oftentimes looking at 7 to 10 days. This is a disease, actually, if the MAOIs, uh, the MSAM, Nardil, Parnate work, that is your mother's fault because you get all your mitochondria from your mother. On the forensic file shows, you'll always see them talking. They can find out who the mother was of a corpse that's found because the mitochondria DNA comes only from the mother. Absolutely zero of it comes from your father. Hmm. I did not know that. Now, how high of a dose can you go with them, Sam? Highest looked at doses so far were 12 milligrams per day. And the patch itself is 40 milligrams, but it's only 30% bioavailable. And that seems to work pretty much in everybody that it's going to work in. This is actually a nice medicine to use in rapid metabolizers. There are about one in seven people in the general population do break down medicines more quickly, so you need to use more antidepressant in them. Smokers, as a rule, tend to need more medications almost twice as much as non-smokers because of inductions of enzymes in the liver. And young skinny people tend to need more medicine than older fatter people just because of metabolism in the body. This bypasses the liver, so it's effectively, um, the portion that does go through the skin is effectively 100% bioavailable, so it's very nice that way. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is psychiatrist Dr. Paul Markowitz. We are discussing MAO inhibitors, including the newest antidepressant, MSAM. Now, Paul, is this, realistically, is this just an antidepressant for psychiatrists? Probably. We have a lot of primary care guys that use it here. I shouldn't say a lot. We have a handful, but it kind of depends on your comfort level. Obviously, if there were only 33,000 scripts for MSAM its first year out, uh, even the psychiatrists aren't jumping on board. So like any other medicine, it just depends on what your comfort level is. And if you like the stuff, you go with it. And if you don't, you don't. But probably best left in the hands of the psychiatrist at this point. Is there a place at all for the older MAOIs that come in pills? Probably. Uh, I have a few people that don't tolerate the MSAM particularly well, not because of the selegiline itself, but the patch can cause some blistering on the skin or just isn't tolerated for whatever reason. So we have used Nardil or Parnate in those individuals with pretty good success. There is 
a higher incidence just because it does bind up the monoamine oxidases in the gut and liver of having a tyramine-type effect, and there is a bit more weight gain with the older agents, albeit it's not as big a problem as many would think. So definitely a place for it. It's just something we've gotten scared off of recently. Now, what patients would you consider for MSAM or one of the older MAO inhibitors? In the olden days, prior to Prozac, if you came in with anxiety and depression, you almost invariably ended up on an MAOI if you wanted to get better. And those are still probably the best patients. In the literature, they talk about an atypical major depression, which ironically is a typical depression, I think just because it was the second one described in the German literature, they called it atypical. But those are people that have carbohydrate craving, hypersomnia, lethargy, anhedonia, and surprisingly, people that are suicidal. Invariably, those are the people that these work the best in. It does not mean that Prozac or Zoloft or Effexor or Cymbalta or whatever the doc's favorite medicine in doesn't work. It's just these are options. What you really want to do is change class of medications. If you've been on Prozac, going to Paxil is kind of stupid. That's like going from amoxicillin to ampicillin. You want to change class of medications. So if you've been on the SRIs, the Prozacs, the SNRIs, the Effexors and Cymbaltas, maybe through some Welbutrin in, which is not particularly effective if you have anxiety, but you know can be used or somatic complaints. Uh, this is a good option. It's a different class of medications. works completely differently. Now, you talked about dietary interactions being much less of an issue with MSAM. What about drug-to-drug interactions? The drug interactions are not too bad, but that's a risk. You don't want to mix it with most antidepressants. Methadone, Demerol, Altram, and Darvon are, should be avoided. Flexeril, Sudafed, and the DM and Robitussin DM. Other than that, it's pretty much a free skate. They're fairly safe medicines. Even with those, most of the interactions are more for things that are going to push dopamine, noradrenaline, or serotonin outside your cells. So Sudafed's probably not a big deal, but best avoided anyways. So many of the patients that we see that might be candidates for something like MSAM or any of the other MAO inhibitors are probably already on an antidepressant that's not working. How do you switch them? That's usually not too much of a problem. I guess the real problem is if it's working a little bit, what do you do? You have to have them off the antidepressant for five half-lives, which essentially amounts to five days for everything except Prozac fluoxetine, which can be up to two or three, four weeks till it washes out probably a good reason not to use that anymore. Just stop it and go with it. Uh, One of the things I do is convert them to other things that will help along the way. Uh, If the person has trouble with lethargy, I might put in a little bit of modafinil provigil to help with the concentration and memory because there's no interaction with the MAOI. You can use trazodone for sleep. Probably can use nefazodone also, serzone, which has some antidepressant and anti-anxiety effects. So there are some gimmicks you can use along the way so you don't have to leave them naked. But I just stop the medicine and go with it. The real issues are when they're on something like Effexor and Paxil because they can have some withdrawal symptoms from the medicine and you may need to convert them to something else and then taper. Can you mix the MAO inhibitors with the newer antipsychotics? Absolutely. They're completely missable with any of the newer antipsychotics. Actually, they're pretty safe medicines. You can use most of the painkillers, the NSAIDs with it, Uh, Tylenol is fine. All the decongestants except Sudafed are fine. All the benzos are fine. Lithium's fine. Most of the anti-epileptic drugs that we use to treat bipolars are fine. Uh, The only one you'd be be a little careful with is carbamazepine and oxcarb. Uh, Other than that, 
wide open. Do we need to worry about serotonin syndrome? Serotonin syndrome, it was actually my project over at Oxford, so I have a passion for this. Yes, you do, but only if you're taking a drug that's going to kick up serotonin levels. So that would be something like most of the tricyclics, any of the SRIs, Prozac, Zoloft, and so on, SNRIs, or if you gave somebody tryptophan as a sleeper at night. But other than that, it's not much of an issue. Real serotonin syndrome is nasty. People get body temperatures of 104 to 106, rhabdomyolysis, very, very bad seizures, and usually death. So it's worth avoiding. But as long as you don't use a medicine that's serotonin-based, you should be okay. I want to thank our guest today, Dr. Paul Markowitz. We've been discussing using MAO inhibitors for depression. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.